And we're here again. Another episode, another week, and all those things I say at the beginning of episodes. And uh, we're discussing the 1996 Best Picture winner, English Patient, this week. And joining us for this episode is friend of the podcast and our number one super fan, Mr. Gregory O'Neill. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Great to be back. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Zach. Hey. Hey. So I'm pretty much going to be kind of a backseat passenger today because I'm on a Harper medication that I overheard in the gas station causes dementia. So I've been forgetting things I know, but I'll be happy to chime in at any point. Nice. Okay. Well, you, uh, you we'll got take some notes care there. You. So do what you can. Great. <laughs> All right. So we're going to harass you with our questions that we harass our guests with. Uh, starting with uh, how old were you in 1996? And do you have any memories of the time? I do. I was 14 years old in 96. So um, that was, I mean, I didn't have a car, so I couldn't drive myself to see whatever movie I wanted. I was at the mercy of my sister or my dad. Uh, And if there was something I really desperately wanted to see, usually I could get my way um, and, and get them to see it. If I, if I could ply them, I was busy doing Taekwondo at the time and the talent shows. So it, I wasn't able to get out to the cinemas as much as I wanted to. Mm. So it was a lot of rentals from Blockbuster and we had Hogan's video and our mother Hubbard's cupboards. It's our convenience store. You get videos there, but then it was a huge enormous treat to go to like the showcase cinemas in Milan, Illinois or in Davenport, Iowa and see something there. Um, but I was following the Oscars in 96. I mean, for film year 96. So uh, we'll get back to that once. Uh, awesome. Yep. All right. So our second question is, uh, what are some formative films that got you into enjoying film? Sure. Formative movies. Well, Paul, that's exactly why I wanted to do 96, actually. Um, Shine was a really formative movie for me. Um, that was one that I it came out in the Quad Cities shortly after my 15th birthday in 97. And that was one case where I was like, Dad, may I please see this movie? I still remember seeing the commercial for it on TV at my grandma Hilda's house. And I was like, whoa, that's opening here. Dad, can we please see it? And we did. (laughs) And I was blown away. And that was what I was rooting for. Very hard. Oscar night, 1997. So you took a shine to it, you could say. Hey. Yes. Good pun. Boom. <laughs> um, also, like Paul, Jurassic Park, um, The Fugitive, An American Tale, The Lion King, Hunger Games, The Works. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. And our final question, and most important question, the one that Jonathan is burning for me to ask. Have you seen and what do you think of the 2019 masterpiece that is Cats? Sure. Yeah, that's right. I did rent it. I rented it on Redbox during the pandemic. Um, Okay, so here's the thing. Like with a goofy movie, this is one of those situations where I'm anxious to play Switzerland. Um, (laughs) I am halfway... You need to tread so fucking carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Cats Cats and Goofy movie are the same movie. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're both three-star movies for me. So, uh, Cats... I think 
I was willing to give it a lukewarm thumbs up just because I got the <laughs> shit beat out of it by critics. So I was gentler on it than I otherwise might have been. But it was it was a nutsy. It, it was a crazy movie. I mean, Judy Dench, Jason Derulo, um, they, Taylor Swift, it, it, Jennifer Hudson. I, I kind of was impressed by Jennifer Hudson, like her performance. Yeah, so it's it's really it's hard to give a thumbs down to anything she's in just because she's so damn good of a singer. Um, Indeed, she is. But it, but it was weird. It was a weird movie um, that again was elevated just by the sheer audacity of it. That they really actually tried to get away with it. That they the fact that it actually got made is sort of an achievement in and of itself. Indeed. So I guess I'm a little bit closer to Paul than Jonathan on that issue, but I'm not going to be like shouting from the rooftops. This movie is perfect. This movie is perfect. Like I was with that video for Michael McDonald from running scared. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. So Ray, we've learned goofy movie and cats. They're the same. <laughs> Let's talk about a fucking movie. (laughs) Let's talk about a fucking movie. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. I'm Zach McCoy. And I'm Greg O'Neill. And we are your Oscar Grouches. And welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history, try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong. And what film are we watching this week, Zach? We are watching The English Patient, where a burn guy tells a story of love and betrayal William Defoe is very upset that he can't tell us how Siskel and Ebert would rate this movie. <laughs> nice. I batched, uh, botched the word movie. Uh, Good job. <laughs> Scrap it all. You You're killed Greg. <laughs> You've killed Greg. <laughs> oh, no, I geez. do this at home when I listen to your podcast. You're <laughs> <laughs> glad someone does. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about the things my wife says when she listens to the podcast, but she doesn't listen to it. I appreciate your encouragement. Uh, all right. This is everybody's first time seeing this movie. It was. Yes. Yes. Yes, for me. <gasps> this is an Oscar firstie for the first time in a while. It's been a bit. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. say something now, and I'm very, very sad to say this will be the last one. Mm. makes sense i have seen every single best picture from here on out (laughs) oscar first tease for the last time (laughs) all right um i I don't have i I guess nobody has a story of the first time they saw it but i have a story of why i've never seen this movie i'd like to hear that (laughs) please duke tell um it starts with uh, uh the greatest show of all time the 1998 kevin williamson classic Dawson's Creek. Okay. With uh, James Van... Uh, 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 oh, God. Did I forgot that. Oh, yeah. James, James, James Van Der Beek. Yeah. Nope. Because it's Dawson's Creek. Creek. You were right. That's right. Right. So it's James Van Der Beek. James Van Der Beek. There you go. Uh, in an episode of 
the first season of Dawson's Creek, uh, uh, Joshua Jackson's character, Pacey, puts a baby to sleep by explaining how boring the English patient is to the baby. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> that's a very 90s joke. It's a very 90s joke. And, I thought, I uh, thought you were going to say you went to see Sack Lunch instead. Of course I did. I didn't. I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, I never saw this movie because Dawson's Creek. Nice. There you go. <sighs> what a great show. Um, right. My reason for putting it off was because of Beach Time. I mean, we've, we've had those Too high on bar. Yeah, that's why I never saw Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Fair or enough. Ordinary people. I've owned this on DVD for a number of years. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I just looked at it and I was like, eh, I'm not in the mood to watch this. You said, yeah. I don't have any English patience for this. <laughs> exactly. Come on. You knew that joke was coming up. It was coming at some <laughs> point. I know. You saw the title of this movie. You were like, Paul saying that joke at some point. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it, down. it is an interminable March 24th, 1997. You looked that up. <laughs> I wrote it down earlier. Um, <laughs> I'm looking it up. Go for it. As soon as I know how to spell it. <laughs> Here, I will give it to you. I-N-T-E-R-M-I-N-A-B-L-E. Is that like a That's person funny. who's dying or something? It's endless. Oh. Often used hyperbolically. Okay. <laughs> I was using it hyperbolically. Um March 24th, 1997, we are still at Shrine Auditorium. Dorothy Chandler still in our rear view. Uh, still on ABC, by the way. Anybody who's wondering, and uh, speaking of Dorothy Chandler, I don't know why that was the segue I used, but it is the 69th Oscars. Nice. Nice. Couldn't get away with it. And I was a freshman in high school, so that was not lost on me. Uh, and the star of the Michael McDonald running scared music video, Billy Crystal, is our host this evening. Our most nominated film in the evening is The English Patient at 12. Our most awarded film in the evening is The English Patient at 9. That's what made it such a long evening. It just kept winning. Yep. <laughs> so, All right. Best picture. English Patient goes to Saul Zentz producing. I believe that's his second one on the decade after... Uh, what was the other one you did? I Amadeus and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right? I felt like he won another one this this he, decade. Well, that same night he won either the Thalberg or the Herschel, hmm. um, or maybe it was even the honorary Oscar, and then he won the Best Picture. Right. Hmm. hmm. I thought he won another one this decade. I was you wrong. could be right, Paul. He produced nope, everything. I'm very much wrong. Well, maybe, I, maybe I just saw his name so many times this week while looking at this field that <laughs> I convinced myself he had won another year. He averaged one a decade. So, uh, English Patient beats out Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, and Shine. Anthony Mingala wins Best Director for The English Patient. Jeffrey Rush wins Best Lead Actor for Shine. I've not seen Shine, but God, I love Jeffrey Rush so much. Okay, I, yeah, I don't want to oversell <laughs> it, Jonathan, but it was, like Paul said, a touchstone moment in my childhood. A coming-of-age movie. Um, don't want to oversell it, um, but it is brilliant. 
Go ahead, Paul. I'm saving my personal opinions on it until the uh, the end. Okay. Sure. Uh, but Jeffrey Rush beats out Rafe Fines, who is neither Rafe nor Fines for the English patient. Discuss. Discuss. Okay, first off, Rafe Fines is fine. This is very much true. Like, he is gorgeous. Is gorgeous fucking man. Like, <laughs> despite the fact that, that he never wants his face to just be Rafe yeah. Fines ever. Yeah. Um, he he needs to do that more. I was just watching this film. He's like, a pretty oh, boy, pretty man. Oh, to be Kristen Scott Thomas in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, On the Jonathan, other end, I'll tell you one thing. There's only one more Wes Anderson movie you need to watch. <laughs> the Grand Budapest. And I'll never ask you to watch another one. Because Ray Fiennes. Yeah. yeah. Being who, who would like you to get his, your hands off his lobby, lobby boy. Yeah. Best leading actress goes to Frances McDormand in Fargo. Oh, I'm gonna burf. Yep. Oh, for uh, the love of Pete. Oh yeah. Um, beating Kristen Scott Thomas for the English Patient. Also, English Patient is the no, 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 no. That's the wrong one I'm thinking of. Forget I said anything. Creature <laughs> there, hamstring. Best supporting actor goes to Cuba Gooding Jr. for Jerry Maguire. Hmm. Show me the money. He doesn't beat anybody in English. I love everybody who had anything to do with this movie. (laughs) Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son is now acting, and he was in Five Cream. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he Cuba Gooding Jr. third? Or (laughs) Junior Jr.? (laughs) (laughs) Junior squared? That's funny. That's funny. Uh, Best Supporting Actress goes to Juliette Binoche for The English Patient. Good job, Juliette Binoche. Best Screenplay written directly for The Screen goes to Fargo, giving Joel and Ethan Coen their first Academy Award. God damn right. Right. Uh, so this They wrote it point. together, but Ethan was the only director? Is that the way it works? So, so, so the way it went for the Coen brothers for a long time is that the Director's Guild of America is a piece of shit. Uh, yes. If you don't know this. Um, they... It is a lot of arbitration to get two directors put in the director slot. Uh, okay. Uh, at least it used to be a lot harder, especially back in the 90s. So they would always split the writing credits. Joel would be the director and Ethan was the producer. Okay. Even though they all three, they did all three together. Also, they edited all their films under the uh, pseudonym Roderick James. Uh, I love the graphic they used when No Country for Old Men was nominated. <laughs> I was really hoping. It Roger was just James some random man from like the 1930s. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, uh, Roger James, as we will discuss later on, not the only fictional person to be nominated for an Academy Award. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, so Joel would get a, the directing nod and Ethan would get the uh, the picture nod. But they really did all that stuff together. Yeah. Come on. It was a Coen brothers film. Yeah. yeah. And, and it wouldn't be until like the mid two thousands that they start like listing as the Coen brothers. Uh, and I don't remember if it happens after Robert Rodriguez quits the director's guild because they won't allow Frank Miller to be listed as co-director on Sin City. Hmm. But he made yeah, a lot, of, I remember a lot that. of waves doing that. Yeah. Okay. So thank you. 
useless knowledge. I have not useless. I wanted to know, and you were useful. <laughs> also, Cameron Crowe is nominated for Jerry Maguire in the yeah. screenwriting, but not for director, which I find uh, very rude. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. I think they gave it to Milos Forman for Larry Flint, right? Yeah, Milos the, uh, the like, fifth directing. Right. So Crow Jerry Maguire gets the best picture nod, but not director. And Foreman, who has two Academy Awards, and The People vs. Larry Flint, excellent film. Uh, just why, why, why would you leave Cam McCrow out like that? That just this right. is rude. It, yeah, the, it always seemed for a stretch that they would give it'd be four or five for uh, best director from the best picture, and mm-hmm. then you'd have some random uh, one-off nomination for best director that wasn't up for yeah. picture. Yeah, generally, yeah. Uh, best screenplay based on material previously produced or published goes to Sling Blade, giving Billy Bob Thornton an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love me red fried taters. Mm-hmm. Some people call it Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating out Train Spotting, mm. which I believe is the only Academy Award it's nominated for. Robbery! Yeah. Yep. Best foreign language film goes to Kolya from the Czech Republic. Oh. Best documentary feature goes to When We Were Kings. Nice. Which is a a documentary about Muhammad Ali. Best documentary short subject goes to Breathing Lessons, The Life and Work of Mark O'Brien. Sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. Can't say I know much about him. Uh, looks, looks like, like about uh, a guy in an iron lung. Well, iron lung, yeah. I vaguely remember the acceptance speech because again, it was a really long category. So you got documentary short subject, and the woman who directed it said something about how you're not you're really in new territory when the cost of your dress is more than the production budget of your film. Shout out to Radiohead. <laughs> Best live action short film goes to Dear Diary. Best animated short film goes to Quest. For Camelot. Camelot? <laughs> Don't go there. It is a silly place. It's only a model. Uh, best original dramatic score brings us to our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. John Williams nominated for Sleepers, the Barry oh. Levinson film. Okay. Okay. Because Spielberg is in his four-year break right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sleeper's another one I own but haven't watched yet. Oh, that's a weird one. That's what one I, I saw around the time it came out on VHS. So I was like 13. Mm. Probably shouldn't have watched a movie about 13-year-old boys getting raped when I was 13. Oh, <laughs> Brad Pitt went through a dark period in the 90s. Brad Pitt, yeah, Brad Pitt was really on that, uh, after 1995, was really on that gotta shake this pretty boy image. (laughs) He really did. You're absolutely right, Paul. Like, every movie he came out was darker than the last for a stretch in the 90s. I mean, which is incredible because it starts with seven. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Uh, John Williams loses to Gabriel Yared for The English Patient. Yeah. This is a really good score. It, it was. 
Jonathan disagrees. I'm going to talk about that here in a few minutes. <laughs> no, please go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We'll get there. Trust me. We got time. Oh, crime is happening. I don't know if Bad you guys news. heard that. Not a little bit. Okay. Uh, best original musical or comedy score goes to Emma, giving Rachel Portman an Academy Award. If I'm not mistaken, Rachel Portman is the first woman to receive a score Academy Award. Yep, oh, nice. First female composer to win an Academy Award yeah. in the category of best musical or comedy score. Well, hmm. We go. Okay. A little bit of history being made. Wow. It is 1996, and a woman has just won <laughs> the score Academy Award for the first time. Uh, good. Uh, and they had to add an extra category to do it. Yeah. Zach's right. They yep. had two yep. then. Got Hans Zimmer in the uh, category for The Preacher's Life, too. That's... Yep. <laughs> Is that the remake of uh, the Cary Grant movie? The Bishop's Wife, yeah. That's right. Yep. Uh, starring Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, Courtney B. Vance. I am not mistaken. It is Courtney B. Vance. Couldn't even get Courtney A. Vance. Using Paul's <laughs> jokes. <laughs> that I stole from a bad movie. Uh, all right, best original song. Speaking of cats, goes to Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice for Evita. You must it, love me. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. That Don't song cry for was this a little win. boring. They're all boring. They're all fucking boring. Everything <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber does. I even like Phantom, and now I fucking hate them. Evita <laughs> makes me hate everything. <laughs> I'm especially distraught because Adam Schlesinger loses for it. That thing, that thing you, do. you do. And that <laughs> was the big dance number of the Oscars for 96. Mm-hmm. Like that was the fun moment. Hunchback didn't get nominated for original song for anything. So That's wild too. The dance number of the night I, was to that thing you do. I don't even know what you would nominate from Hunchback. All those songs are either really weird or really depressing. So yeah. I'm I going know. Hellfire. I, uh, Hellfire is a really good one, <laughs> but how do you beat just that one note that the guy that does? Oh, God, that the fucking <laughs> note. God, have you guys seen that one TikTok? It's like this guy who can do that note. He he can hit it perfectly, mm-hmm. but he fucks it up on purpose in like the best way possible just to piss everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> That's funny. I have there, not seen that. I, I have to find it. I discovered through like a TikTok or something this uh, kids bop we belong together the Mariah Carey song <laughs> okay and the end of it's this woman the the woman who's singing it because you know with the kids bops they they have like an adult singer yep. for the song and the kids just kind of come in on the choruses or like backing vocal stuff yeah <laughs> so at the end of the the song is the woman trying to hold out this long note that you know Mariah Carey could do because Mariah Carey is an amazing singer yeah and it's just her just like, we belong together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, kids, Bob. Kids, Bob. Oh, okay. kids, Bob. Best sound effects editing. Coast of the Ghost and the Darkness. Oh, the band, the Darkness. <laughs> and Ghost. And Ghost. Best sound goes to English Patient. Uh, yeah. You know, giving Walter stay Murphy. out of that one for now. Yeah. 
Instead of nothing, Independence Day should have had the fucking sound on that one easily. Jonathan, you are absolutely right. (laughs) It was the independent movie that beat both Independence Day and Twister. And The Rock. And The Rock. They lost to the English patient, which should have been a low-budget movie because it was was technically an independent movie. Uh, Walter Murch picks up that Academy Award along with... Congratulations. Mark Berger, David Parker, and Chris Newman. Fuck that. I I will circle back around to this. Berger. Best art direction goes to The English Patient. Which should have absolutely gone to Romeo plus Juliet. I was about to say. That's a good point. I was going to say that or Independence Day, too. I Romeo plus Juliet, I love that movie. Hmm. And I know many people can either love it or they just think it's okay or think it's bad, but art direction should have fucking gone to that it, easily. Yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever you have against that movie, it is certainly not the art direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just gonna let you guys talk because you're right. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> Birdcage is also on my short list for that because God, the birdcage is so good. I love the birdcage. I do. I, I I don't see. I feel like they just wanted to give it something. I don't know if art direction should have given it best actor. That's just me. Adapted screenplay, maybe. Yeah, adapted screenplay would have. Yeah, been that nice probably should have been it. It is not. That's in that usually category. a throwaway for a really popular comedy for a year. Um, oh, did I mention the English patient lost to Sling Blade in that category? Because I don't think I did. No, but you did now. And here it is. Uh, speaking of the English patient, best cinematography goes to John Seal for the English patient. Okay, and, I can live with that. <laughs> and not an Academy Award nominated Fly Away Home. <laughs> Let's be fair. That is Caleb Deschanel. <laughs> the guy who shot the right stuff and gave and gave semen to birth to really hot women. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That's news um, to me, actually. But Fargo should have gotten fucking cinematography. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wait, good point. Yeah, yeah now I know. Caleb Deschanel is Emily and Zoe's dad. Yeah. Um, but now now that Jonathan's brought that up, yeah. Fargo I mean, should have definitely won cinematography. Well, just yeah. the desolate shots of Minnesota with M.H. Macy walking to his car at the end oh, of the parking a- lot. I remember thinking, wow, the cinematography in this movie is great. How do you make gray look great? Yeah. Like, do it that way. A guy shoveling snow. It, it just, and then, or Steve Buscemi burying a bag of money. Everything is deliberate and crisp and artistic in Fargo. Deacons is kind of the best. God, Deacons. Best makeup. It's never an Academy Awards ceremony without an Eddie Murphy movie getting nominated for best makeup. <laughs> Goes to the nutty professor. Beats first contact. Beats first contact. (laughs) Come on. Rick Baker. (laughs) Best costume design goes to the English patient. Boy. Best film editing goes to the English patient, giving Walter Murch his second Academy Award on the evening. I will say this. I think it deserves this, this award. Specifically, because this is the first film to be edited digitally. Oh. Okay. So... You may not particularly like how long the movie is, but it was breaking new ground in kind of weird and interesting ways. Well, there you go. Also, Roderick Jane's nominated for Fargo. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Yep. 
Best visual effects goes Stacked. to Stacked. Independence Day beating out Twister and for some reason last week's best picture <laughs> winner Dragonheart. Ah, Dirk. Amazing. <laughs> I had to bring it back. Yes. We had to hear the score from Independence Day once and at for film year 96. That <sighs> got us to hear a wonderful score by I think it was David Arnold. I believe you're right. Um, it, it, it's a great score, and it was really nice to hear that on Oscar night when it won visual effects. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. And Big Book of Oscar Trivia tells us that Saul Zentz, as Greg informed us earlier, receives the Irving G. Thalberg Award. Honorary awards go to Michael Kidd in recognition of his services to the art of the dance and the art of the screen. Yay! To Volker W. Bonneman and Burton Bud Stone in appreciation for outstanding service, dedication, and upholding the high standards of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. You say Budman and Stone? Yeah, Budman and Stone. That's what I said. Budman. <laughs> Burton Bud Stone. And to Joe Lombardi in celebration of 50 years of the motion picture industry, his knowledge and leadership in the field of pyrotechnics and special effects, along with his uncompromising promotion of safety on the set, have established the standard for today's special effects technicians. Excellent. And uh, last week, I am remiss to say, I wasn't looking at the big book Oscar trivia and missed the Gordon E. Sawyer Award. So we're going to cover last year's Gordon E. Sawyer Award, which went to Donald C. Rogers. And I'm just going to verbatim read his uh, profile as sound designer for Paradigm Motion Picture Company. Okay. Don Rogers is a past member of the Board of Governors of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, and has been in business, a business associate of Casey Williams for the past 15 years. I don't know who Casey Williams is, so sorry about that. He retired in 1994 from his position as Senior Vice President of Post-Production Services at Warner Brothers, but continued to consult until 1997. Don began his career as a rookie sound man running a playback machine on There's No Business Like Show Business with Marilyn Monroe. Wow. He eventually worked up to Boom Man and was a member of the sound crew, which he received Oscars for The King and I and South Pacific. In 1960, he went to work for Todd Ayo as a recordist. His first project was on the film Spartacus. Okay. After six after a six-month crash course in photography, Rogers became the head of Todd Ayo's camera department. He traveled throughout the world on location with films such as The Sound of Music, The Bible, and the Battle of Britain. While at Tadeo, Rogers was involved with the development of the first lightweight 65mm production camera, as well as the Tadeo 35mm wide-scope lens system. Rogers went on to the Samuel Goldwyn Studios, where he served as the Director of Technical Operations from 1971 to 1992. During that period, the Goldwyn Sound Department received 23 Academy Award nominations, leading to 15 Oscars. Goodness gracious. During his career, he, Rogers contributed to over 1,000 motion pictures. Ooh. Some of the movies he's proudest of are Star Wars, which he won an Academy Award for sound, and was the first film to feature Dolby A Stereo, Top Gun, 
and two author Oscar winners for sound Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. Wow. In 1994, Don was, the, uh, this says 94, but it's 95. Uh, in 1995, Don was the recipient of the Gordon E. Sawyer Lifetime Achievement Award for exceptional long-term accomplishments by an individual who has made substantial contributions toward the advancement of the science and technology of motion picture. That's amazing. And I was also looking like no relation to uh, Richard Rogers, just a coincidence that he worked on some. No, no relation to Richard Rogers, but his father sold lumber to Howard Hughes to make the spruce goose. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. found that out because he got a job with the Howard Hughes company after he was in the military flying planes over Korea. Uh, Hold on. There was a funny note that I saw earlier that I was trying to get back to. So there's this note in another thing I was reading in the Statesman Journal in which uh, it said he worked on South Pacific, Spartacus, The Sound of Music, Star Wars, Raging Bull, The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost, Stark, Top Gun, and Unforgiven. He's a pioneer, wife Elizabeth said. He's known as the godfather of modern motion picture sound. For the record, he worked on the godfather, too. (laughs) (sighs) There was another note in here where apparently his friends would joke that the Academy Award was the the statue itself was modeled after him because it's bald and his wife said their ass are the same. (laughs) That's funny. Nice. So that's our Gordon E. Sawyer Award recipient for the year of 1995, not 1986. So, Donald C. Rogers, hero to all. Wonderful. And that's our Oscar breakdown. All right. Let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. Um, Pacey Witter was right. Was he? This movie's fucking boring. Mm. I was bored for three hours. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Uh, I- yeah. For all the praise this movie has received, it's a fairly conventional romantic drama. I I don't even... I just found it boring as fuck, and then it gets just dark and for a total of two minutes, and you're like, all right, I don't fucking care at this point. I, uh... You know, I was very tired this week, and I was like, maybe... Maybe I'm just tired and not getting into this, but it felt boring to me. And then after I finished watching it, I went and rated it, and I saw a lot of reviews that had kind of the same sentiment as I do. So I'm like, maybe it actually is boring. But so, what do you think, Paul? Um, this film is gorgeous, and the last hour fucking rules. Okay, I think for about an hour and. 40 minutes, the film could be tightened up and be a little more interesting, but man, for some reason in the last hour, I just sucked so deep into this film. I I mean, couldn't I, believe how excited I was. I, I will okay. admit that it got better by that point. I just didn't care anymore. I can feel that, and I thought I wasn't going to, like, like I said, for the most part, I was into the story, but I wasn't like rah rah about it and i was like yeah we could we can maybe tighten this scene up and this scene could probably just get dropped and this scene this is fine i guess and then 
I don't even remember what happened around the last hour. Maybe it was when Naveen Andrews is like trying to defuse the bomb, but I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, basically, <laughs> give me more Saeed. I want him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, John's right. Jonathan, you're right. Like, it, I have that it plays by the rules. It's an old school Oscar contender. But a different climate, this would have been a Valentine's Day weekend release that would have been lost, long lost to memory by the Oscar race 10 months down the line. I, th- this movie was made for the Academy to go, hey, you guys remember the last 10 minutes when I, Ray Fiennes was carrying a dead chick out of a cave? That shit was sad, wasn't it? Look at <laughs> us! Like, that, that was it. Like, but, he's, it, it, but he's so fucking hot while he's doing it. He, he, he is. He, as beautiful as he is, and as much as I love him, I feel he's terribly miscast in this movie. I don't... He, he doesn't have charisma, I don't feel like. I, but I, th- right, I so don't I will buy say the chemistry. I, I get that, but at the same time, I feel like it's perfect for that character. Yeah. I feel like that character was I, supposed to be very like fuck it attitude in a way, where it's know, just like yeah, very. Yeah, like Chris, Chris Scott Thomas has that one line where she's like, "You know, like, you know, like twenty languages, but you never talk." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had wanted him to have more charisma. He had. Sort of charisma. He had some go for broke moments, but he wasn't as likable as like Charles Van Doren in Quiz Show or Justin Quayle in The Constant Gardener or even Christopher Marshall in Made Manhattan. And I think I wanted it to be the charismatic Ray Fiennes and I rented it and it wasn't. So and Quiz Show. I, I found myself caring more about, you know, Hannah and Kip. They, to me, that yeah. was a more interesting. Yeah. Seriously, uh, coupling. Um, yeah, I, I did too, Zach. Well, and and those two are so hot too. So yeah, <laughs> like I said, give me more Saeed. I need to go yeah. back and watch Lost. I did too. <laughs> yeah, Hello, everybody. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I remember Navy Adam was a, he was a sex symbol when it came out. Oh yeah, there was like I said, there's a, there, I feel like there's a lot of wasted talent. I I wanted to see Colin Firth more for yeah, as much I that was, was in this movie i wanted to see him like because it was basically we get that one moment where he like he watches her go through the gate into the house you're like oh he knows something and then all of a sudden he crashes a fucking plane with like can can i get like something that leads up to that decision <laughs> <laughs> and that moment was kind of ruined for me jonathan by the oscars because I obviously saw the movie after seeing when it's Oscars. So when that moment came, when the plane is coming in and Count Laszlo de Almasi, I thought of Billy Crystal in his opening monologue, <laughs> wandering in the desert. I can't believe I'm stuck here in the desert. I don't even get a chance to promote my movie Father's Day opening May 9th. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on an For airplane. For my birthday. Ooh. Mm. Uh, I don't remember when I saw that. Movie. It had Sugar Ray though. <laughs> when Sugar <laughs> Ray did was have metal. Sugar Ray. <laughs> they're, follow- um, they're following Sugar Ray, the boxer. <laughs> <laughs> but I no, I just so like Willem Dafoe's character in this <laughs> just seems so fucking out of place, but at the same like it makes sense outside of the fact that he's like 
it took randomly happens on the guys that he's looking for. And I don't know, randomly, he probably found him, but I just am a thief. I don't know, man. <laughs> My main issue with this movie overall is I feel like it's one of those movies that overly tells you how to feel. It cues you in on every um, emotional moment. It's like the music cues you and I, I didn't, it didn't feel genuine to me. That's, that's the main thing. Like I didn't care at the end. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be this big emotional moment. And for a lot of people, I guess it is. And I just, I, I didn't feel anything. See, and I like the score cause it, it gave me that, like, I just didn't Old fucking Hollywood it. epic vibe. Yeah. I, <laughs> I honestly can't remember it sitting yeah. here tonight. And I just finished watching it yesterday. Out, outside of the, the weird bit of it when they're at the end, when they're on the plane, uh, well at the end and the beginning, cause I actually had to go back because I, I completely forgot why Ray Fiennes was, uh, nosed Voldemort. <laughs> and I went back to the beginning of the movie. I was like, Oh, okay. That's why. And, it, and, it, and I will admit it actually made it seem a little like, Oh fuck. So, uh, she just burnt to a crisp there too. Didn't she? Like not realizing that, hey, there's a dead chick in the front seat. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, outside of that, I don't remember the score at all. Okay. Also, I, think uh, I want more uh, Jorgen Proc now. I always want more Jorgen Proc now. Oh, yeah. I was in it for like a minute. I think there were some accidentally funny moments in the movie, too. Um, uh, Caitlin was sitting on the couch, kind of doing something else while I was watching parts of the movie and she looks up oh, in, in the uh, <laughs> the rain scene when they run him out on the stretcher and she's like what what the hell is happening he's bobbling around on the stretcher like like he's going to fall off and I'm like oh er, you, you, you had to be there earlier he said he <laughs> longed to feel the rain on his face and she's like don't you think they could have done it a little gentler with this <laughs> plus his skin doesn't really look like a burn victim that much it, should be more shiny and I don't know how much time exactly has passed in between the it's I don't think it's supposed to be a lot of time yeah and this is another one of those like I don't think uh high def is yeah good for this makeup job <laughs> um I that, that's not the scene I thought you were gonna bring up Zach which one did I could still taste you oh yeah I have a note <laughs> Again, I thought we were going to get the sweet, charming Ray Fines based on the commercials for the film. Instead, we get him as a seductive, come hither guy who wants his friend's girl muttering, I can still taste Brush you. Brush your fucking teeth, dude. <laughs> no, at Kristen I, Scott Thomas from behind the drapes at a Christmas party. It, yeah. you, you're right. And that was the moment where I kind of checked out. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, Caitlin wasn't watching at that part, but I did make a Facebook post. Kind of, I just, saw that. I was asking people, do you, if somebody, if your partner says that to you, do you find that sexy? And and I, <laughs> I maybe it depends on the moment or <laughs> or how you say it. But he's like touching his mouth and stuff, and I'm just, you yeah, like, know, he's being this, gross. He's being gross, but she's like, oh yeah, let's it, go, let's go do it. <laughs> yeah, at at that point, I I was like, all right, let's. 
let's get back to Juliette Binoche, and I want to see how things go with her and Navy and Adrenals. And like you said, like I had to split up viewing it over three nights. I rented it on Amazon Prime, so I had 48 hours to watch it. And it really didn't get good till like the third night of watching it when yeah. you have Navy and Andrews taking Juliet Pinoche to look at portraits. I, 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 I so did together. <laughs> did what I always did and watched it this morning, the day of. And okay. I just oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I like I was doing homework at the same time and I wanted to pause it so I can do the more interesting thing of learning about Active Directory services and Windows Server 2019. <laughs> it made you want to do your homework. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah. The, it there's moments in this movie that yeah. are nice, that are very nice. I just yeah because I'm checked out I I just didn't appreciate them and I'm not gonna go back to appreciate anything I, I I'm sorry I just yeah I'm I'm not gonna all, sit here and defend the movie too valid, hard guys I yeah <laughs> I did have a good time watching this movie yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm good. glad you had a good time I'm I, glad I think I, I might side a little bit more with Paul I it cracks my top ten at like tenth place for ninety six ninety six oh, okay. Um, but that's behind Fargo and Shine. 96 was so fucking weird, and this doesn't even touch top 50. That's fine. Okay. That's a valid and, argument. And 96 was fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, where, I would really need to like look at 96. I don't think this would end up in <laughs> my top. the year end. Kazam came out. Uh, Kazam. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do see there... Uh, there was a note that there's a potential BBC series in production as of like August of last year. I'd like to see I, that. I, I I would. I would like to see it if the the casting is good and uh, the story is what pulls me away from it. So I, I like, think I, I loved be... the casting of this movie. I, um, I really I would, did. I I would like to maybe see Bamboo Cookshanks <laughs> play in it. <laughs> okay. Zach, the only one who got that. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. <laughs> I, I could see him in that role. Bumbly? Yes. I could see him in that role, possibly. Um, or some suave unknown. I don't know. Mm, I feel like suave. there is a... I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever read the book or not. Because I feel like there is a good story. I just don't know that this movie handled this, the telling of it as well as it could have. Yeah, like I said, I, I feel like a, a lot of my complaint is that it could just be tighter it just it's a little too loose it, yep. tighten it up yeah yep like trim it here trim it there there i really there was only one moment of the movie where i was just like interested and it was literally when you find out that you know uh kip and what's her name can't remember any characters it just didn't care <laughs> hannah uh yeah hannah were you know doing their thing you're like oh that dude's gonna die that fucking sucks <laughs> and then you know they do the whole bomb scene we're like all right that was gripping i enjoyed that yeah that bomb scene was really that well bomb scene was really good it is good that, was, that was the most compelling moment of the movie yeah. i was gonna be was the the only compelling bomb. move part if he died I, I was just gonna be like oh shit this is another point where they just led you up yeah but they didn't so i'll give him yeah. credit for that yeah yep. that actually made it better and then, and then I like the scene where 
they're sleeping together and then the the bomb goes off in the square and kills the british guy that climbed up on the statue <sighs> yeah yeah <laughs> sucks yeah just really yep. interesting though <laughs> all right well i think we're gonna go ahead and move on here and ask paul is this movie in the library the answer to your question is no this is not in the national film registry okay are you ready for this very long list of two films that got in from the year of 1996? <laughs> I kind of want to guess the movies at this point. <laughs> Please do, because one of them I have told you in has gotten in the last two years. So that kind of gives away the, the next question. But oh. so can uh, you guess the two movies that got in? I mean, Independence Day has to be one of them. It is not. Really? Is that, Fargo that, that one? movie screams America. Fargo is one. Okay. All right. So the other one's going to be a documentary. It is not. Oh, huh? you're you're not. I'm going to say you're not far off, but it's not a it's not a documentary. Okay. So then, uh, you are never going to guess this film. <laughs> never. No, probably not. It is. Zach's looking at a list somewhere. <laughs> uh. Uh. Irma is it Veep. Shine? Irma Vip. It is not Shine. It is not Irma Vip. <laughs> it can't be Shine because Shine was made in Australia. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, that was so, the reason I didn't guess it. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, it is The Watermelon Woman. Yeah, oh! I never heard it. Which got in. Is oh, part of the, yeah. The 2021 no. class. That's right. Oh, okay. It now. Which is a very, very influential lesbian art film. Yeah. Um, we got a watermelon uh, in the fridge right now. Mm, yay. And a woman. Okay, so since I've given it away, Fargo is the first of the two films to make it in. Can you guess the year Fargo went in? Greg, if you don't remember the rules, it is 10 years until is its first year eligibility. So 2006 would be the earliest it can get it. I'm not surprised, Paul, because I remember Fargo came out in like late February or March. And Gene Siskel was already shouting, there won't be a better movie this year. Fair. So, can you guess the year it goes into the National Film Registry? Oh, six. Okay. Jonathan? I'm going to say 2012. I'm going to go 2018. Greg got it. 2006. Oh, nice. Oh! Nice. Well, the thing, it aged well. It aged well because it was the movie that got beat by the English patient. Yeah. Son of a... That's two guests in a... In a row, Not in a row. There's, in a, there's in a, a break. In a, in a break. In, in eligible films, though, isn't it? Uh, maybe. All hey, right. Good right. job. Well, let's do a quick Razzie rundown here. Run all right. Down. So, <laughs> worst picture goes to striptease. Uh, really? Of course. Uh, <laughs> beating the island of Dr. Moreau. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worst actor was a tie between Tom Arnold and Big Bully, Carpool, and the Stupids. Uh, I'm my own grandpa. And, <laughs> and Polly Shore in Biodome. He's the worst. And I like that movie. My dad rented the Stupids, and I remember walking in and the song I Am My Own Grandpa, and my jaw just flat. I remember my dad laughing really hard. <laughs> I, I will say that Carpool was my introduction into. Uh, uh, was it David Paymer? No, uh, the Ramones. 
Oh, yeah. Other Ramones. Okay. So I want to be sedated in the, yep. movie. the entire movie. My introduction to the Ramones was uh, My So-Called Life. Nice. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Jared Leto. <laughs> the Ramones for me would have been uh, the MTV Movie Awards in 1995. They oh, when they, all the- when they did the medley? Nice. Yep. That's such Excellent. a good medley. All right. Uh, worst actress goes to Demi Moore in The Juror and Striptease. The, the, the Rural Juror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, worst supporting actor goes to Marlon Brando in The Island of Dr. Moreau. Ooh, ouch. <sighs> worst supporting actress goes to Melanie Griffith in Mulholland Falls. Worst screen couple goes to Demi Moore and Burt Reynolds in Striptease. Okay. Uh, worst director, Andrew Bergman for Striptease. Bergman. Worst screenplay goes to Striptease. Wow, they really hated this fucking movie. All right, worst new star. I'm going to bring up the entire category because this shit's kind of funny. So outside of Pamela Anderson and Barbed Wire being the winner, Mm, the the nominees were Beavis and Butthead and Beavis and Butthead to America. Ellen DeGeneres in Mr. Wrong. Okay. Which is (laughs) funny now. Uh, Kind of funny then. Friends, cast members turned movie star wannabes, Jennifer Aniston and She's the One, Lisa Kudrow and Mother, Matt LeBlanc and Ed and David Schwimmer and the Paul Bearer. Oh, it's hard to not think that Matt LeBlanc should have won it for Ed about <laughs> an, a, the monkey baseball yeah, movie. A, a, chim- a chimpanzee as a baseball pitcher. Yeah. And uh, uh, the new serious Sharon Stone in Diablique and Last Dance. Boo. Boo on nominating Sharon Stone because yeah. she's amazing. Yeah. Especially in Casino, which Especially you can talk, hear us talk about on Thursdays. She's amazing. Uh, worst original song goes to Pussy, 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 Whose Kitty Cat Are You from Striptease. Okay. I, I, yep. I've used that line many times. <laughs> <laughs> and this year they have a new category. And I think it's the only time that they do this, but it is the worst written film grossing over $100 million. The winner was Twister. Beating out wow. the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Independence Day, Mission Impossible, and A Time to Kill. That means Michael Crichton's a Razzie winner. Michael Crichton is a Razzie. Michael Crichton and Anne Marie Martin are both yeah. Razzie winners. This Boo. is where I'm going to come off as a huge nerd. For Christmas in '96, I asked for and got this screenplay to Twister, like from a bookstore, yeah. and the novelization of Independence Day. So I sat and read like the screenplay to Twister over Christmas break, freshman year of high school. <laughs> nice. It's awesome though. I that, yeah. that shouldn't be anywhere near the Razzies. No. I, I, I agree. just I well, I mean the thing is it's <laughs> the worst written film grossing over a hundred million. <laughs> so the the nominations are gonna be kind of limited there. Yeah. Right. So they must have had Thank an you, axe to grind. Yeah. So that's going to be our Razzies, and let's get into our worsty judgments. And Greg is our uh, guest, and but number one fan. I'm sure you know how this goes. Yeah. We got a couple questions for you. Sure. First question is going to be, does this movie deserve Best Picture? No. Good answer. <laughs> no, it, it just didn't deserve to win. And this is the 15-year-old Greg O'Neill and the 40-year-old um, Greg O'Neill. By the time it won that night, obviously it was inevitable because it had been steamrolling just about everything. Um, and it's a conventional movie that beat a, a really interesting Coen Brothers thriller that nimbly 
navigated between being a thriller and a comedy mm-hmm. both at once and shine, which I have a personal bias for because I took piano lessons and I just loved every actor who played David Helfgott in that movie. Um, and the, like the really touching thing about that Oscar ceremony was after they, after Glenn Close nominated shine for best picture and they showed like the montage of the movie. Then they brought David Helfgott out to play flight of the bumblebee and it was like, man, this movie felt really realistic watching it. It felt like a slice of life. And now it's showing that it really was a slice of life. Here's the man. So I was rooting hard for the movie that got its butt kicked and everything except best actor. So, no. All right. Very nice. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I'm also going to say that this is one of those years where fuck the Academy for not recognizing comedy. And also not recognizing the greatest comic book movie of my entire childhood, The Phantom. Oh, yeah, Billy Zane. <laughs> and also, Zane. The Craft came out that year. And yeah, who was I of an age to watch that movie? <laughs> you like oh, some Fruza Balk and Nev Campbell? Oh, Fruza Balk. Nods vigorously. Dude, I've, been, I've loved Fruza Balk since uh, The Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. hey, you're a true glue fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that being said, if you just go by the nominees, what the fuck, Fargo? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? What like, the fuck? We knew I, that then. I mean, how many people went out into the middle of the desert to find some chick's burnt up body? None. How many people went to some random fucking Michigan, Wisconsin? I can never remember. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota place to try to find some buried fucking cash because they thought that shit was real. <laughs> Zero. So, yeah, fucking Fargo should have won this. Even if you just go by, maybe The English Patient was a good movie, despite the fact that it was basically just Oscar bait. Um, no, Fargo should have won. English Patient should not have... I, sure, I'll give it the nomination because that's what it is, but... I don't know, man. Like Matilda came out that year too. Yeah, Matilda. Oh, Danny DeVito. Like there was a lot of like really good, just ignored movies, I think that Yes. You are right. I don't I don't the thing is like putting any of these above, like because you know, I liked Harry of the Spy. I liked uh Matilda. Are they best picture nominees? probably not as maybe even not over english patient but there was just like a lot of stuff that i was like i i i enjoyed these and i think everybody else enjoyed these more than this really boring fucking movie that's just because it a fucking oscar bait movie like that's exactly all it is it's just that's, yeah that's <sighs> what i had in my notes you're absolutely right I, I, I don't know. But it was no. the type of movie that was going to win Best Picture in 96. It was a movie that was going to win. Yeah. And, and Scream could have been nominated for Best Rem- Picture. Yeah. And with um, the weight of good old Harvey behind it, he was you know, really, it's really in his campaigning mode. This but season. Scream didn't yeah. at least pull a screenplay nomination now that I think about it because it was so clever and self aware for a horror movie. Yep. Academy just doesn't respect horror. Yeah. Horror comedy, like multiplicity came out that year. That shit was uh, amazing. Hey, no one gets to have sex with my wife but me. She touched by Peppy Steve. <laughs> I mean, what is what does America want more than one Michael Keaton? <laughs> Five Michael Keaton. 
So, all right, that's my answer, Zach. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? Oh, 96. So, uh, I, I am sad to admit that I have not seen Shine, and I wanted to. Just a, one of those weeks that got away, and I didn't have the time. I will go back when we have a when I have a period of time where I can watch more movies. Um, so, of the three, I've seen Jerry Maguire and Fargo, which I I like Jerry Maguire a whole lot, and Fargo is easily the best and should have won Best Picture. Ninety six is a year of a lot of good movies, but I. I don't think there's a lot of great movies. That's that, that was my problem. Yeah. Especially after 94, 95, which were just so kind of loaded. 96 was kind of an off year, I feel like. I'm, it, it, as far as like great ma- movies that maybe I would have kicked the English patient out of the best picture and maybe put in like something like Primal Fear or Train Spotting. Those oh, are Primal like Fear. Hmm, Those are Yeah, Norton gets nominated for it. He yeah. does. Yeah. I so the biggest thing is you notice the top 10 grossing films of 1996. None of them are best picture nominees. Yeah. None of them. Well, I mean, Independence Day, a twister just literally cannot be. Those I mean, films are not good enough. Right. They're fun. But it was like I Independence Day, them, Twister, Mission Impossible. Fuck. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> they are not best picture winners. Like 101 Dalmatians. But, but. Well, no, I'm did... sorry. No, Jerry Maguire came in at number nine. Okay, between the Nutty Professor and Space Jam, Space Jam, but underneath <laughs> Ransom by two and Independence Day <laughs> makes eight hundred million dollars. Yeah. yeah, which <laughs> Twister makes the number two movie five hundred. Yeah, mm. <laughs> like I'm you beat that by boy. a lot. <laughs> That's so insane. I, you know, I think with Twister, I was definitely more interested in Twister than English Patient. They're just was a lot of just let's drive this car around in the desert in the English patient versus Twister. You had a really good ensemble cast chasing tornadoes. So I don't care if the plot's a little bland. They're chasing tornadoes. Yeah, that's the thing. Like that. What plot? There's fucking tornadoes. That's it. Yeah. It is a disaster movie. I love yeah. disaster movies. Like I, these things shit tornadoes, get destroyed. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Tornadoes yeah, exactly. are just giant monsters that break shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I wasn't trying to build uh, Lego English patients the way I was trying to build Lego spaceships <laughs> from Independence yeah. Day. You know, <laughs> I was going to sit and watch if Joe and Bill and Rabbit and uh, Dusty were going to get Dorothy four up into the tornado, but you know, Count Al- Laszlo Dalmazi, if he's going to be able to hook up <laughs> with Kristen Scott Thomas, it just I didn't have the emotional investment that yes. I did in Twister. Twister is above time. the English patient on my top 10 of 96. But at the same time, they're both so fucking hot in this movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, not only are they hot, they're probably also overheated being in the desert. Yes. Yeah. Paul, I know how you how how you feel about quiz shows. So I I understand. Um and I saw quit. I that was my first Ray Fiennes movie was Quiz Show. So, um, and you're not, you know, he has these blue eyes that are intense, and you understand why 500 women wanted to mail in marriage proposals to Charles Van Doren, and why everybody showed up for his lectures when he was instructing in a college. His perfect hair and he his perfect stubble. He was charismatic in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, okay. I get I get why you think the way you think. I understand. Yeah, yeah. But no, Fargo should have won. 
All right. Paul, does this movie deserve Best Picture? I watched all of them this week. Hooray! Somebody did their work. I'll start down at my number four, the remaining uh, of the runners-up. And my number four is Shine. I do not like that movie, Greg. I'm very sorry. No, Paul, that's okay. Everything that everybody was saying about this movie is Shine to me. It is the dullest film. It was made for $5 million in Adelaide, Australia, so they didn't they didn't have the production value for it to be like the English patient. I, all I'm saying is get George Miller to direct it and it's immediately a better film. Look at Lorenzo's oil. But the rock three, Noah <laughs> Taylor playing the rock three. I, that whole sequence of him I learning the love, rock three. It was Noah Taylor is excellent in this film. Noah uh, Taylor. I had a man crush on him so big when I was 15. I think, I think Scott Hicks took a camera crows nomination. Okay. Uh, okay. So going to my number three of the runners up is Secret and Secrets and Lies, which is incredibly good. It is very, very, very good. Uh, and probably his name just suddenly dropped out of my head, and I'm very sad that it disappeared. Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. Probably, probably my new favorite Timothy Spall performance. Uh, which is saying something. I love Timothy Spall. Brenda oh. Blethyn's really good in this movie and she gets to cry through like the entire thing. So good for her. Marianne, <laughs> Marianne Jean-Baptiste is great. This is a really good film. It's a, uh, it's really depressing though. So prepare sure. for that. It's on that HBO max. It is Ooh. on the HBO max. That's how I watched it because it's in the criterion collection. Okay. Oh, it's Mike Lee. How- oh. Yeah, it's Mike Lee. Okay, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. He absolutely earned that nomination for Best Director. This film is beautiful. Um, all right, my number two of the remaining is Jerry Maguire. What a good movie. It's one of those films I always forget exactly how good it is. And then I hear someone someone say, God, Jerry Maguire is such a good movie. And I'm like, yeah, but is it that good? And then I watch it I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It really is. That movie's kind of perfect. I, <laughs> I haven't yeah, seen it. I, <laughs> I remember watching it and wondering why Regina King didn't get a nomination. Regina she, King should have absolutely been nominated mm, for that film. Mm. You can you can throw out a Joan Allen for the Crucible. <laughs> Shout out to that uh, store that had um, the only movie it had in it was VHS copies of Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that film's incredible. And also Tom Cruise uh, rules. Yeah. He's, he's, I stand Tom Cruise. Yeah. <sighs> he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it. Weird yeah. guy. Great actor. Just, just a weird fucking guy. He is a weird, weird guy. I just I just don't think that level of money and fame does good for anybody. <laughs> uh, he is currently running somewhere. Somewhere. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, my number one's Fargo. Fargo's great. Uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, I I don't know that anything has been said that I disagree with. Uh, William H Macy is great. Francis McDormand's great. Uh, Peter Stormare is amazing. Mm. I still keep wanting to say Peter Stormare. <laughs> is it Stormare? Well, that's yeah, new Stormare. for me. Yeah. I'm glad I hadn't said his name tonight. Paul, thank you. You're welcome. Uh yeah, uh Fargo rules. Uh see Fargo if you haven't seen Fargo. 
it's yeah it, it turned up on basic years cable. Old. what the fuck is wrong with you stopped what i was doing and watched it i uh i my a friend of mine showed me that film when they got it on uh on vhs and we watched it like a dozen times nice it's great it's such a good movie uh that being said english patient slotting down at my number four uh under secrets and lies above shine uh and i don't think it should have won I don't think it's it. It definitely shouldn't have beat the three that I have above it, and it, uh, Train Spotting should have been in there because Train Spotting is uh, amazing. It is my favorite film of 1996. Well, can I ask you, you a question? Yes, you're a Wes Anderson fan. Uh, major. Yeah. Well, they made he made his debut with Bottle Rocket in '96. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> it's <And> boring. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's a nearly a perfect film. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen. Have I seen that one? No. Wes Wes Anderson got uh, the MTV Movie Award for Best New Filmmaker yeah. for making Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Okay. I'll say it's it's. That's how least, I learned about Wes Anderson. It's my least favorite Wes Anderson, but that's still I love every one of his other movies, so it's not a big diss on it. But my my least favorite. Speaking of MTV, more. this was the year MTV came out with their first movie. Rushmore is my second. Oh, Joe's story. apartment. <laughs> Joe's apartment came out <laughs> with a band named Shit. <laughs> and their so, second movie, Beavis and Butt to America. That's right. So, uh, no, I don't think it deserved Best Picture, but I think I think it's a good film. Fair enough. It was better I mean, than I expected it to be. All right. Well, that brings up the question, Greg. Uh, is this the worst Best Picture? It is not the worst best picture. Um, it's not the best, but it it isn't the worst. All right. What is your worst? Uh, you're going to hate me. You're really going to hate me, but here it goes. I really didn't have as good of a time at No Country for Old Men as I thought I would because I was holding it up against Fargo. Ooh. And Fargo had a little bit more heart and soul, in my opinion, and I thought No Country was just sort of a Western melodrama that was trying too hard to push to the fringe of existentialist. That I got to the point where, well, why should I bother caring about characters? It's just a shoot 'em up, you know? And so, uh, whereas Fargo, even the villains had some grain of humanity, uh, it just. I don't know. No country felt a bit flat compared to Fargo. And I, it was still a well-shot film, but that's my, yeah, for best picture. Now, okay. that being said, let me clarify like that I didn't hate it, and I haven't really seen a best picture movie that I've hated, though I haven't seen it as many as you have. So it's not an extremely low bar that it's set. I've literally okay. seen so, all of them. And I invite disagreement there. Well, can't wait for you to hear our episode on that. Yeah. No, please do. Yeah. That's this yeah. is this is just objective, God, guys. So I know. It's all that. subjective. It, oh, yeah. None of this matters. Yeah. <laughs> this is a catalog of history. It does matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's the first time I saw I saw Shine, Paul. It it, it was an acquired taste for me. Like I like the piano sequences, but it yeah, it it, it it was a very low budget movie. I'm glad you love that movie. You know, we all got our yeah. thing. Yeah, every, every movie deserves to be loved. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, please don't take my word for it. If you thought that No Country for Old Men was a pulse-pounding thriller and that you were on bated breath wondering if Josh Brolin was going to be able to get the money, by all means, please, I, I'll have that dialogue with you. I'm not going to die on this hill. <laughs> Fair Zach, enough. you seemed very intrigued by my statement. I don't know. I mean, there's some movies out there. Yeah, there's there are. Nymphomaniac. I I don't I have no I have no love for Lars von Trier, but yeah, you know, you enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think the only movie that doesn't deserve to be love is Clockwork Orange. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> the only one. And anything that the Daily Wire is currently producing. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> Oh god, that school shooting movie. What was it called? <laughs> Who cares? I'm not run, saying run that. hide fight. Oh yeah, that's that's I it. only know this because Joe and I were having a full on conversation about the Daily Wire this week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh so I will also go ahead and say this is not the worst best picture. It is my number fifty-six though. Okay. Uh in between Ooh. Tom Jones, it's above Tom Jones and under how green was my valley? Wow. Uh, and, and I base this just on really what's watchable Ooh. for me. Woo. Fair enough. I didn't know you had how green is my valley that low. Movie was so fucking boring. Mm. Hmm. Tom Jones. But it was still better than Tom Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Zach. All right. So you said number 56, huh? Yeah. <sighs> well, it is not the worst, but I actually have it at 57, so we're buddies. And hey. at 56, I have, as I was looking at the list just now, I'm like, wow, okay, this is the movie that it reminds me of. My number 56, one place above this, is Out of Africa. And I feel like these are very similar movies in in the, the way that I felt watching them. So I could see that, yeah. I so, thought Out of Africa was just pointless, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's me. Paul. All right. I have one question specifically for you, Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> what would you say if I told you I had this above Braveheart? I'd say you're wrong, but you do you. We said subjective and uh <sighs> well prepare. It doesn't make sense though. Prepare. Like, Prepare to not say that because I don't have it above Braveheart. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Wait, you have this above Braveheart? No, I no, he, he doesn't. He was it, teasing. It just it, like it wouldn't make sense. Um, I have this at my number forty-four. Okay, I yeah. I do enjoy this movie. Uh, I have it right under Ben Hur, which is a film that I kind of would put it on par with as like epic, but kind of flawed and could be tightened up. Okay. Uh, and I have it above Rain Man, which I like Rain Man a lot. So, yeah. Okay, I'm glad you said that, Paul, because Shine kind of was my Rain Man. Like, it was a naturalistic portrayal of a man with a disability. So, mm-hmm. what Rain Man was to other people, Shine was to me. That's, yeah. There it is. Fair. All right. Uh, so, yeah, 44. Uh, I do have it above Gandhi. Hmm. Dance with the Wolves. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and Goofy Movie. You're an <laughs> idiot. You're just wrong. I love you. Sorry, Craig brought it up, and now I can't let it go. I and know. I, I won't bring this back next week, I I'll, promise. I'll, <laughs> I'll, forg- I'll forgive you after today. Ha <laughs> ha. I don't get that reference. 
Shut up, Paul. We're going to call it here. <laughs> Greg, thank you very much for joining us today, sir. We I will you. be listening to you guys. I'm going back to my Spotify to, to hear you guys weekly. You guys <laughs> make my week. Thank oh, you so much. We appreciate that. Is there anything yes. you'd like to plug here today? Uh, my live journal. I post my <laughs> reviews to that. Um, Hell yeah, live Facebook. journal. Yeah, and Facebook, I'm Gregory O'Neill. Uh, Twitter, I'm Q- uh, handle QST Greg. So that's that's where I'll be following you guys and promoting the Oscar Worsky Oscar Worsty podcast. Yes, sir. Indeed, much appreciated. Uh, we, we need podcasts, though. Um, seriously, you guys got me through the pandemic. Um, it it was some. It was. I look forward to Friday nights. It gave me something to look forward to. Awesome. So right. keep doing what you're doing. We will. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And with that, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? Find me on TikTok at House Havoc. Critiker, Zach Master. I think I went out of order. Oh, my gosh. X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. And uh, Letterboxd, you can search by my name, where I'm working on a few lists there. So, yeah. Mr. Workman. Uh, you can follow me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, where I am ranking all the films I watch. And this week, I watched The Batman. Ooh. Oh, you did see it. I was thinking about you today, Paul. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I saw it this morning at like 930. Nice. <laughs> uh, and it's the film that made me realize that John Turturro has entered the people who can wear sunglasses in Sight Club. Man, I feel like this conversation should have came up a while ago. But I'm I'm happy that this was the movie that did it for you. I yeah. I just I had never thought of it before. <laughs> okay. It and it generally takes looking at somebody wearing sunglasses inside for me to to really know. To really yeah. know. And John Turturro's in this movie wearing sunglasses inside. And that's not a spoiler. Sure. You can see you can see those pictures online. Okay. Uh yeah, but he's wearing sunglasses inside, and I'm like, God. Damn it, he's so cool. Yes. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk about him some. Yes. Uh, fuck, I'm going to go watch Rounders now. Do that. I yeah, want to rewatch Quiz Show. I got it on VHS. I, yes. I might rewatch Quiz Show. And I just watched it two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we watching next week, Zach? Next uh, week, get on the ship. We're watching Titanic. Get on the boat. <laughs> the banana get, boat. Your heart will go on the boat. Yes. <laughs> you can no it I saw that twice in the on the big screen. Oh, I, I have a fun story. I have a fun story too. too. I have to watch this movie with my wife because she saw it twelve you, times. In you get to. You She's get mad at me to. because I didn't watch Forrest Gump with her. <laughs> <laughs> is, is she actually mad about that? Because she knows it's Forrest Gump, right? She knows that she's movie is got a this fucking dude, flaming dog. Again, mm. she she has seen Larry Crown at least twenty times. So, <laughs> well, we don't like Forrest Gump because we're film snobs. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, fucking yeah. Nerd. Forrest Gump is probably the movie <laughs> that if I talk about is the most likely she's going to call us snobs. Yeah. Again, usually my dad. I wish my dad could be a guest on your podcast because he loves Forrest Gump. Oh, tell <laughs> him come like, on the pod. We'll all just. Shit he's, on Forrest Gump. He's got it in his top five for all time. Wow. All time? 
like he 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 tells me about how it replicates the 60s he was there and that's what it, it was like this, so, see this um, is why forrest cup won best picture it's yeah. top 15 on imdb we can't forget yeah this is well, this is uh, why i don't believe in god <laughs> <laughs> nice but, titanic you can read it on amazon google voodoo or youtube uh check on netflix it's on and off there all the time i don't know this week <laughs> all right. We would like to thank Trav for our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for his excellent theme songs. We'd like to thank Megan at J Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook at the Oscar Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five star review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. The almighty algorithm. I can still taste your five stars. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> so gross. <laughs> oh, for Greg O'Neill, Zach, Jonathan, and all of the hot cast members of The English Patient, we would like for you all have a damn fine day.